with us today, Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. Bill, good morning. Good morning. Three weeks I was away. Nice to be back. I know. We're not going to talk. We're not. We we are so glad you're back. Can we just say that? We're just so glad you're back. Uh, And and it's good to talk with you again. I missed missed our Wednesday morning. Uh, I had to get my Carmen fix on Wednesday morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, hey, if you're out there getting your Carmen fix and you've missed Bill, uh, this is a really great time for you to go fill out the listener survey. All right. So if you're listening, then the listener survey is for you. You text the word survey to 877-933-2484 or you go online to myfaithradio.com backslash survey. You've only got, you know, I don't know, a couple more days to do this. So if you're listening and you've been putting it off and you like your Carmen fix and you like your bill fix, uh, go ahead, go fill out the survey now. It doesn't take much time. And um, and Bill and I'll just talk over you while you do it. OK, Bill. There you go. Talk, yes. Talk, talk with us about. um uh, you know, the U.S. economy, but but bring it home. What is going on in terms of the headlines that I'm reading, particularly in relationship to bankruptcies? Yeah, well, I've been saying for months now that the there is a, a bankruptcy tsunami that's on its way. And that's because of COVID and the shutting down of businesses. And while the uh, payroll protection program uh, sustained a lot of those businesses for the for the 10 weeks that it was intended to sustain back in the March, April, and early May timeframes. The reality is that now those businesses are out of cash. The stimulus money isn't flowing anymore. And uh, the lawyers, Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, everybody else is saying, hey, you know what? Bankruptcies are really going to pick up in the August, September, and October timeframe. It's, it's just going to happen. It's, it's predictable. These numbers are uh, that you sent me are pretty staggering. Um, yeah, they are. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce says 43 percent of all small businesses could close permanently in the next six months. I think there's a little hype in that, to be honest with you. Uh, but yet the U.S. Chamber tends not to be a hypish type of organization when they put out their um, uh, press releases. So it wouldn't surprise me if 25 to maybe even 35 percent of small businesses around the United States closed by Christmas uh, because of COVID, not just because governors shut them down for a while and then have partially reopened them, but because the the buying patterns of people are changing significantly because of COVID Mm -hmm. and some small businesses are just not going to survive. Okay. Let's talk specifically about restaurants. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, Yelp has uh, 15,000 restaurants have already permanently closed, according to Yelp, according to the NRA, the National Restaurant Association. For those of (laughs) you Second Amendment people, there is another NRA out there. Um, They are saying that 90,000 restaurants nationwide have closed their indoor dining and that nationwide the restaurants are down in gross revenue by $94 billion. That's a B billion dollars. Uh, Congress is looking at a Restaurants Act uh, to dedicate $120 billion for independent bars and restaurants through the end of 2020. Don't know if that's going to pass, and it would not be applicable, I don't believe, to the chains like a, a P.F. Chang's or a McDonald's or somebody like that, a, a Perkins, for example. Uh, it probably wouldn't apply to them. So restaurants are hurting. And when we think about restaurants, um, you know, we're already thinking about people who are on the low end of of the wage spectrum um, and certainly, you know, restaurants who uh, who are now doing drive through or curbside only. They don't need as many servers as they've needed before. Um, 
and what you're what you're telling me is that uh, lots of them who participated in the Paycheck Protection Program are saying that that money has been spent. Um, you're also telling me that that as renters, right, as as renters of property, they they were able to um, negotiate breaks with their landlords for a number of months. But those landlords are now at the place where, hey, you know what, we need to be paid. Exactly. Exactly. And by the way, there's a number of restaurants where the uh, the servers, at least, are not low end in their um, there, there. There is a bit of a misconception that if you wait tables at a restaurant, you're not making a lot of money. I know a, I know a number of, of, of restaurants where their servers earn seventy, eighty, hundred thousand dollars 100000 dollars a year. Now, these are not McDonald's type <laughs> restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> but it, there's a lot of restaurants out there where they're doing quite well. But uh, who this who this restaurant thing is really hurting is both the landlords and the uh, farmers that produce the food for these local boutique restaurants. Uh, there's a lot of farms that that serve uh, independent restaurants that are within, say, you know, 50 to 100 miles of the farm. And when those restaurants aren't serving customers, they're not buying produce, and the farms are producing this produce, and they don't know where, where, you know, what to do with it. So some of them are going to sell it on the open market. Others, they're just taking the loss. So American farmers are hurting, too, if they're independent, smaller farmers. Okay, I want to talk about farms and farmers specifically when we come back from the break, because I think that, well, you and I both know there's a lot of people in our listening audience um, for whom this is this is home. Farm is home. And so we're going to talk about yep. um, farms and farmers up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Bill English is my guest and we'll be right back. Nobody wants to be my friend. What's a donkey to do? Yeah, we just have a little fun with Bill English. He's the only guest we have who the Eeyore song works. So you're really full of joy. You just have a, you have an Eeyore affect, and so. Oh, geez, thanks. Well, you know, it no, was interesting. I, I, you know, I, there's. <laughs> Go when, ahead. When I, when, when, when I connected with Paul this morning after three weeks, right, you know, and, and Paul and I get on Skype, and the first thing he says is, Bummer Bill Wednesday, you know. No, 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 you got to say it right. <laughs> it's a Bummer Bill Wednesday. You got to say it right. Put the inflection in there. Paul was out last week too, so he is he is a he has a need to play all that he's all charged up. He has a need to play music. It's totally fine. Oh geez, but you know what? Uh, If you don't look at life in a truthful way, then you're just looking at through an eyes of fantasy, and uh, that doesn't help anybody. So you know there are good things happening in business, but this COVID thing, yeah, has led to a lot of negative news right now, unfortunately. So that was a good that was a good uh, good segue back. Thank you. Thank you for bridging us back to the uh, <clears throat> to the conversation at hand. OK, so farms and farmers. Yeah. Uh, I am uh, I am not a farmer. However, um, we do have a, a garden. And let me just tell you that since my um, since my additional hands, garden hands have been hiking in Colorado for a couple of weeks and have not been here picking cucumbers and tomatoes. Um, and collecting eggs and weeding and all of the wonderful things that they do day in and day out. Uh, I'm just going to tell you, it's it's just a it's a hot mess out there. So um, talk with us about farming and the anticipation that's needed in terms of the market and the market demand. When the demand goes away, um, what do farmers do and how do they survive? 
you know, the farming is a really tough business. It's just a tough business because you have to anticipate customers' demand months in advance before you plant. You know, at the time you're planting, say, a, a 30 or 40 acre field, you're anticipating a certain demand four or five months from now and that that demand will be there to buy your product that you're growing. OK, and I'm, I'm using uh, crop farming here in particular. I think there's more stable demand for uh, things like uh, a meat, whether it's pork or, or beef or whatever it is. And so but they have to they have to anticipate that demand in advance. Well, COVID has upset that apple cart. Right. No pun intended. And um, COVID, you know, as as restaurants have tried to reopen and then they've had to shut down some of them and then they've tried to reopen again and shut down. It really messes with that supply chain predictability, both for the farmer and for the restaurant. And so farmers, um, some of them are just turning to taking their their goods to the open market and selling directly to the customer. And from what I read, they're really not making any money at it, but at least they're recouping their cost of goods, so to speak, the, the money that they that they have into the uh, to the the, the crops uh, themselves. And so uh, the farmers are hurting just as much. And uh, this is not something that's going to end anytime soon because they need predictability as part of the supply chain back to restaurants, to grocery stores, uh, to feed mills, that kind of thing in order to, uh, to know what to plant and how to grow things. It's tough. So here's another one to watch over the next uh, few weeks and months and, uh, and maybe even throughout the academic year. Nobody that I mean, I've Googled it. So, you know, that's maybe not the total best research that I could do on this subject. But there is the school food supply chain. The school food supply chain um, is going to have to get ramped up like overnight in some places. And it's going to have to be prepared to be shut down. And any fresh food is going to have they're going to have to figure out how to redistribute it. I mean, it is a that is a a bloom. That is a bloom on the horizon that no one is going to enjoy. I'm just going ahead and telling you right now, the school food supply chain, even in my own very, very small county where they just moved the open date from August 10th to uh, to the end of that week. Well, all of the food was already set like the all of the fresh food. and perishables were already set to be delivered the the Friday prior to the August 10 open. Well, that's now pushed off a week. Where does all that food go? And how do all those families that are counting on, they're counting on that food, you know, they've, they've been suffering along since Memorial Day when uh, food distribution ended at public schools across the country. Um, I mean, I just, we have plenty of food in America. We have a serious distribution and redistribution problem. Um, when there is, as you described, no predictability. Yeah, yeah. It, I know that's me making a, a speech. I, I apologize. No, hey, it's your show. I mean, you, <laughs> I'm here to help you. So. <laughs> oh gosh, Bill's you know, here to uh, help me. I just everyone should just take note of that for just a moment. Bill, Bill is here to hey, help Paul, me. That's thank hey, you. Paul, grab that audio. We need that audio. Sometime. Okay, it's marked. Uh, Oh, uh, you know, by the way, individually, though, uh, 25 million Americans are set to lose their $600 a week bump in the federal mm-hmm. unemployment benefits at the end of July. Uh, that's been costing America $15 billion a week. Uh, 34% have found that being on unemployment, they made more money on unemployment with the $600 bump than what they were making at work. I think that has contributed to the 11.1% unemployment rate that we have. 
I think in August you're going to find that people who no longer ha are just get they're getting their 350, not their 950 a week. I think what's going to happen is that a lot, number of them are going to flood back into the uh, employment market. The unemployment rate will come down. Trump will tr take credit, as all presidents do, and uh, and it might propel our economy forward. But the basic piece of the COVID, that effect is still going to be with us. And uh, that's going to be with us at least through the end of the year, if not into Q1 or Q2 of next year. Yeah, and that going back to work for a lot of people is also in no small measure dependent on kids going back to school. Uh, you know, yes. there's a lot of parents yeah. who can't, they can't go back to work if their kids don't go back to school. At That's least one of them, true. at least one of them can't. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's and in single parent households. It's just, there's just so many layers to the challenge that people are facing. And so um, it's, it's of prayer concern for all of us. It's also of concern to us just in terms of the spirit in which we approach the conversations um, one of the things that I uh, that I appreciate about you, Bill, is that you try to get us to be others focused, not just focused on ourselves. I appreciated this quote that you sent me from Bruce Waltke. The righteous are willing to disadvantage themselves to advantage the community. The wicked are willing to disadvantage the community to advantage themselves. Um, yeah. Why don't you give us give us some give us some positive uh, ideas for how we could help our neighbor this week. You know, look, if there's 11% unemployment, that means there's 89% employment, right? Mm. And there's a number of people who are currently employed and their incomes have not been interrupted. This is a great time for the people of God to look up. You know, when, when Christ said, you know, raise your eyes, look up and see that the fields are white already for harvest, you know, that 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 idea of looking up and noticing people around you who are in need and being willing to be an instrument of the Holy Spirit to meet their need or help meet their need is something that is ripe for us right now. And so I, I think the big listener takeaway for today is that if you have some means, even if it's only a few hundred dollars, be willing to part with it to give it to somebody who is in need, and you will be disadvantaging yourself to advantage the other person. That's what the righteous do. And I think Bruce Walke hit the nail on the head with that quote. Yeah, I just love that. Thanks for bringing us that today. That's Bill English. Oh, you're you can welcome. find him at BibleAndBusiness.com. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Bill. All right. Looking forward to it. Take care. We'll, we'll be right back. 